Good morning. Good morning. morning. We ready to begin? Yes. In this beautiful fall Sunday. I walked in and uh, I don't know who it was. You going to church today? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, Last week we talked about biblical sanctification and I always like to leave. Um, a little bit of room for, I know many of you go back and look at the previous lesson um, and maybe discuss. We missed you guys last week. It was good to have you all here this week. But I know you guys spent some time. Oh, that's right. You're here today. Yes. There you go. Um, anyone, uh, comments or questions on last week's lesson? Um, something that was burning in your heart last week. We didn't get a chance to, to hear from you. But anyone? On um, biblical sanctification? Hey, girl. Come on in. Biblical sanctification? Uh-huh. Very good. Sanctification is the process by which all believers, um, it starts from the moment of salvation. Um, we are saved, but we're being made the uh, being made uh, holy and set apart. Because remember, we talked about the inward change that the Holy Spirit that takes place at the new birth. But there's the soulish part of us that still has to line up. With the spiritual part, that would be our mind, our will, will, our intellect, our passion, the way we think, the way we speak. That is the Holy Spirit now through the word itself begins to work on that aspect of our lives. And so uh, I I made this comment last week that every single believer needs to wear a T-shirt that that says under God's construction, be patient with me. You know, because that's the reality of the, the, the walk of the believer. We're, we're, we're not there. We're there in terms of the salvation because it is a finished work. It got, Christ did it. But in terms of um, being conformed, we're being transformed and conformed to the image of his son. You know, a lot of us, we, all of us need a lot, need some work. There has not been, I, I grew up in church. Um, I got saved when I was eight. And there has yet, I have yet to hear a pastor not say this. God is still working with me in this area. In my life, he's still working on me in this area. Every single pastor I have ever, have ever known uh, either tells, reveals that this is an area that God is working or reveals some struggle one way. Even Paul, was it Romans chapter 7? Paul talked about the good that I would, I do not. And he, then he talks about how there's that, that war between in his flesh. Uh, Paul talked about uh, that thorn given to him to keep him humble. And he asked the Lord to move it and he didn't. Um, and you can just see um, that even the, the apostles, I remember when uh, when the story, when the Lord showed Peter a dream of these animals being let down, you know, and he kept trying to figure out what this dream was all about. And he says, you know, whatever I call clean, don't call it unclean. But it was a setup to Cornelius, I think it was, who the Lord had revealed to Cornelius that I'm, I'm going to send, send Peter's going to come in. Well, what happened was Cornelius was a Gentile, centurion, so a Gentile, and his heart was so right for the gospel. The problem with that was the guys who was preaching the gospel with fervency were Jewish men who had been converted to Christ. And to go into a house of a Gentile, buddy, you do not do that. That is a cardinal sin to Jews. But here's the problem. They were out of this darkness now into the truth of who Christ was. So. Then the Lord revealed to him, he says, look, there are two men coming to get you. When you, when you go to Cornelius' house and he says, what I've called clean, don't you call them clean. And the bottom line, after he went, long story short, um, he said, uh, you know, what, I want to be saved. Yes. And so 
him and his whole house got saved. And he says, what do we do now? He says, well, since you received Christ, you want to be baptized? The whole house was baptized. And here's where it really gets interesting. <laughs> here's where it really gets interesting. He said, we are so excited. We plan a banquet. <laughs> Gentile food. Boy, I imagine they must have had some, some pork chops on that. Man, they must have had some, I mean, some stuff that was not kosher. And he remembered, <laughs> girl, you got to drink that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he ate it. And, and the point I'm trying to get to is when uh, when the other apostles heard about it, boy, they ripped into it was Peter. It's actually it was Peter that did this, and they ripped into Peter. And that's when Paul had to step in and say, "Look, this gospel is for all the Jew and the Gentile as well." I mean, because Peter was really, really having. I mean, it was his Christian apostle brethren were giving him the business. They really were. But even in our love for Christ, there is still something more that we have to learn about his love, about his mercy and his grace. And they was just, they got a great lesson right there. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, and to that, too, I was, I think, I was talking with Stephanie this morning a little bit, but the, I think the other struggle in the sanctification playing off of what you said, on, you know, where we're being worked on is, uh, I think about Galatians 5.13, where it says, be careful for the freedom that we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The freedom that we do experience in Christ kind of does put us in this position sometimes where we just we relax and we just kind of we just kind of sit back. But you know, we in a fight. You can't let your hands down, and we got to be out there serving the body and proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. So it tells us to be aware of that freedom, mm-hmm. carefulness. And that's the dangerous part because it's interesting uh, how when the uh, Peter and John went up the temple to pray um, and there was a gate called Beautiful. And it was so interesting. And I love to say this about this story. And they put this man, they laid this man at the gate called Beautiful to go and pray. Now, I'm thinking, OK, if I'm going to pray to God, why am I taking a crippled man and leaving him here and going and pray and then pick him up and bring him back home? Something didn't connect with me, right. it, you know, and then all of a sudden two men, Peter and John was going to pray, they looked up on this guy and said, okay, now here's the reality of men who get it. And then they laid hands on this man and he received his strength. But I always say that he was a man who was put at a beautiful place with an ugly problem. And people put him there and then they just came with truth. And truth, it's the truth of who Christ is sort of compels you to deal with what most people who don't have the reality of who Christ is in them walk past. And so it was interesting. Anyway, we better get into the lesson. We better get into the lesson. And we're talking about spiritual service. There we go. The scripture you brought up. Uh, Father, we thank you this morning. We love you. You are so good. We have been called to two areas of service. To serve and love you. And then to serve and love your people. Love God and love people. I pray that the lesson today become even a greater reality to us and look at a portrait of Christ who is our greatest example of servanthood. Father, we thank you and we love you. Open up our hearts and minds that we may understand and comprehend the depth, the width, and the height, and the breadth of your love for us and who you are. Forgive us in our weaknesses, even in our thinking, and even in our faith that we make you too small But God, I pray that we will see you correctly through the lens of your word. 
We thank you and we honor you in Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Lesson four. Before we get going, um, Pastor Matt wanted me to remind you, uh, lesson five and week five and week six six will be, Pastor uh, Ben will be here. Uh, I think week six, he's going to be talking a little bit. Why don't you explain a little bit before we get started? So that's uh, week five and six. Um, you may have heard uh, people speaking of serving. What, do, what does that mean to you as a, as a Christian? Because we are called to serve. You know, another word for the word service, serve, um, is you see it time and time again in the New Testament, is the word submission. Uh, sub means to get under. The word mission means the call, to get under the call. And I think it's so powerful when we say we've submitted, we're in submission to the authority of Christ. In other words, we get under the mission of Christ, which is to, to evangelize the world. And that's a beautiful picture. But he even paints an even beautiful, a more beautiful picture when he tells a wife to submit. She's in submission to her husband because it says what happens um, when, when Christ gets a hold of this man and he realized what he's really called to do. She is compelled to get up under his leadership and follow him in that mission. Uh, and it's, it's beautiful how Christ, he says, um, make them one as you and I are one. And Christ echoed um, time and time again in the three years of his ministry, I come not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. Sent me. And you can see it over and over again. Galatians 5.13, let's begin. For you are called. You are called to freedom. And we, here it is right here. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, do what? How do we serve one another? According to that scripture. How, what's the motivation? Love. love. Okay. What is, and I talked a little bit. I, had, I tied up being uh, built together series. And remember this, the sermon where we took the watch, the Swiss watch. I don't know how many of you remember that. And we showed how each point each part fits um, so uniquely together and so that the body of Christ fits together like that Swiss watch, all the integral designs and details, but it's held jointly together by love, fitly joined together by love. Love becomes the, 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 the I guess, the point where two bones, uh, parts of the body are jointly fit. It is that part, and it supplies what it actually needs. So here, our service is motivated an opportunity is motivated through love. Ephesians two ten says, For we are his what? Workmanship. Workmanship. Crafted in Christ for what? Wow. I mean you think about it. Um, he says, He designed us, all right, and we're created in Christ for one purpose, and that's for good works. Which God prepared be beforehand that we should walk in them, And I love the, the Greek of this, that we should continually walking. When he said that we should walk in it, we continue. It's a constant, you know, looking for every opportunity to be able to serve. Okay. Why do we serve? We serve because Jesus 
did, and he was our greatest example. Let's take a look at John 13, 1 through 17. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own <clears throat> who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, um, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid, outside, laid aside his outer garments, taking the towel, tied it around his waist, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And I think Jesus said, whoa, 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 Peter. Peter, whoa, put the, pump the brakes, baby. Pump the brakes. Jesus said to him, the one who, is, who has bath, bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who, he, who was to betray him. And that was, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for, for I am so. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. But here's, why, here's the emphasis in verse 15. I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you. Watch this. Not blessed are you if you know it. He said, blessed are you if you what? If you do them. Wow. What is the two things that Jesus displayed in, in this particular passage of scripture? Jesus displayed both humility and servanthood by doing this. And this is what he asked of us. You see, it's impossible for us to be a servant unless we have a humble heart. Everything about our natural nature, everything about the natural man despises being somehow placed under someone else or wanting to submit to someone else. You know, we talk about teenagers, how they struggle with authority. It's a lot of uh, adults struggle with authority as well. You know, I don't know how many of you guys have ever been in a position of authority in your job. Anybody have been in position of authority in your job? What has been some of your experiences with that? Anybody? Or at any time you make any decisions that are maybe good for the whole, but yet it's a, maybe a person feels like an attack on them personally, mm -hmm. it, it causes a little bit of friction. Mm -hmm. Anytime you, any, the higher you go in any chain, in, in any form of business, um, yeah, I was, I managed at Walmart for years, and uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's a customer or even your own employees, when, mm -hmm. uh, when you're looked up to, it's usually with um, mm -hmm. people. Find what's usually fine, unfortunately, what's wrong with things rather than right. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Yeah, I think so many times 
you know, in the world's view, it's, it's relative to age or experience or, you know, the amount of education you have. Mm-hmm. There's always something that's needed to check box to trump someone else mm-hmm. when it comes to authority. But So, I mean, obviously that presents its own set of problems. But then I've also noticed that when you do have the opportunity to work with people that understand authority in Christ, none of those things matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. they understand they understand the biblical principle of authority and that it's, it's, it's God set in that place or that mm-hmm. position for that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of, it's two very opposing dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, but navigating each one of them is, has its struggles. Yeah, it's, it's a task. It's a task. And leadership style is so important, you know, because the leader, if you, um, I was an administrator at Nichols, and, and when you're when you're a leader and you're working with people below you, they're watching everything you do. So if you if you maintain a group mentality of you're working together on things rather than I'm up here, you're down here, they'll do anything because you're doing it with them. So I, I think it's a constant set of humility. You know, you're constantly saying, I'm not too good to do this. Mm -hmm. I'll do this part, you do this part, but we'll get it done together. Mm -hmm. And then when accolades come, it's for everyone. If you're given the accolade as as the supervisor, it's, I want to receive this for the department. Or I want to receive this for the group. It speaks volumes to me. And I think Jesus did that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Mm -hmm. he did that. So our good leaders are that. Right. Do you Mm -hmm. think my boss... (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think a key a key word here is 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 fellowship and relationship. When you when you're building relationship, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus Himself. Mm-hmm. When a relationship is built, you seem to see more of a balanced mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah. Uh, John Maxwell. How many of you are familiar with John Maxwell? Yeah. You know, was it he wrote the Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership? I think was one of his books. And it's incredible. Uh, John Maxwell, originally his main corporate office was in Denver, Colorado. And he had hundreds of workers working in his organization, uh, his print and media and everything. And I spoke to him and said, look, I want you to move out of Denver and I want you to move your corporate office to Atlanta. And I remember the story because he was saying on one of his podcasts and he said, um, he said, I really didn't want, I felt the call of God to move my whole corporate office to Atlanta. But do you realize your key people, you got to uproot these people and these people have children. These children have friends. These friends go to their school and it's like, you know, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this and I don't even know how to present this. But we're talking about the leadership and, and respect and honor and being and humility. And long story short, when he brought that to him and he says, guys, you know, I, I can have, for those of you who feel that you can't make this move, I understand. I know this is what the Lord is saying. And it says 95% of his top leadership that day when put a for sale sign and said, like, okay, just if, wherever you're going, we're going to follow you. That is phenomenal. People will follow you when they know they can trust you with their heart, whether you have their best interests at heart. I love the man, uh, um, uh, what's his name? He was the football coach of the, the uh, he coached, uh, gosh, no, 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 no. Um, not Peyton, Peyton Manning. He coached Peyton Manning with the Colts. Oh, Dungy. Dungy, yeah. yeah. Very soft-spoken yes. man. Everything about Dungy is totally the opposite of a football professional, of a football coach, period. Because, you know, I mean, you play football, you play football, you think about this guy, you know, and then and Tony Judd says, look, no, he's like, what I'd like for you to do, come here. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and, and if you come out of college where you got a coach spitting fire and you're talking to Tony Jones, like, dude, this dude, somebody gave him a shot of happy juice before this game. <laughs> but he was, he had the love and respect of everybody in that organization. Everybody, you know. And then there's the Bobby Knights who grab chairs and sling them across the floor. But anyway, <laughs> I want to give you four. If someone said, what does a servant heart look like? There are four things we want to give to you. There's a portrait of what a servant heart look like. A servant heart looks like. Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Number one, a servant heart, servant's heart sees a need and does what? And he meets it. He meets that need. Jesus saw that the disciples' feet were dirty and needed to be washed. And he asked God to show you ways that you can serve. If your eyes are open, you will see many needs. You know, today um, is Homer Christian Pumpkin Patch Day. And so all week, well, all month, we've been encouraging the kids to come out and come, you know, she. Um, she's winning my Bible class. She's one of our seniors, graduated in 2019. <laughs> and, uh, and so we've been encouraging the kids. We even started something this year, and we have looked really behind the eight ball of encouraging the kids to get four hours of service hours. And one of the girls, matter of fact, it was Josie uh, Oquam. She said this to, to, get your, to get your grades. She said, Coach, I understand what we're doing, but adding the motivation of getting a grade, don't that, doesn't that take away from the very essence that why we should be serving from the heart and do it? And when she said that, we're, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> I said, you, you're right. I said, you're right. But I said, but here's the thing. Even though we have the name Homer Christian over the door, a lot of the kids that come in there are not saved. A lot of kids who have family members are really, really struggling. And so they don't know. Many of them don't have Christ's heart, so they don't have a heart to serve. And you got kids, some kids that are there who are not saved and families messed up, but they just, by nature, just want to just point me and show me where you were. Point me where you want me to, where you want, where, you, where I should be working. And so that is, we, and I told her, we had to start somewhere. You know, we had to start somewhere. And hopefully, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't. Well, it is. And, and I've been talking to some of them, because I was talking to Jordan Martin, and I was like, come to Elevate. Like, you know, and she told me yes, but then later on she was like, oh, can't go. And I was like, why? And she was like, oh, my mom's friends come in from out of town and want me to hang out with them. I was like, oh. Yeah. So you don't have time for Jesus. Oh. But, oh. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, like, um, but yeah, they're very close off, and, like, the seniors are trying to, like, step up and trying to, like, you know, mm-hmm. get them included and, mm-hmm. like, try worship more in school and trying to be more of, like, an example so they can open up. And, right. You know. Right. It's just going to be crazy when we're gone. I don't know what's going to Right. And we're trying to encourage them. We're trying to be examples as well um, for what we're doing in terms of leadership. You know, we tell our kids all the time, we said, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I just thought, I've been at Homer Christian for 21 years. That environment has been absolutely amazing. We bring people on to work at the school. And it's like we didn't know a place like that. this exists where people get along and pray for each other. Yeah, that's all we know. That's what we do. We're motivated by Christ. Let me ask you a question. I want you to write three things in there. What are some needs you see around our church? I'm going to give you a chance to write that. Write that in. And I'll call you and tell me what you, what you wrote.
Okay, let's take a look at someone to raise your hand and tell me, give me one or two things you wrote. Yes, ma'am. Children's ministry. Yeah, that, uh, you better bring the energy level with that one. Yeah, when you go to that one. Yeah. Someone else. Something else you see around the church that um, can be, there's a need to fill. I believe, I believe this needs being met uh, here at Living Word. Uh, we'd like to get involved. It's a life group for the adult. Mm-hmm. Life mm-hmm. Is that what they call it here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, I guess they used to call it the Bible study. Uh, Bible study. Uh, is that yeah. where you is that where you're going with this? The question. I mean, no, we just asking. We're just seeing where. Yeah, where, where, what you yeah. see. Pretty much, pretty much. Anyone else? Something you see here that could be filled by. So what age are you talking about like, when you say once you leave elevate you're like probably no, like I'm honestly, not a full adult it's like, like that 16 to like what maybe early 20s like 18 I would yeah. say I would say like yeah maybe like 16 to like I mean, 19 I'd say older than 19 because like even then you're about still 20 21 yeah, yeah. yeah. 20 young. 21 22 your 20s like until you're maybe like 25 but like you're still young it's and you it's you can't like quite fit in with like Older people right. can't quite fit in with the younger right. people. And I was telling my mom, like, it's just so weird, like, the difference of times. Because, like, for her, it was like, oh, like, I want to be this when I get older, so I'm going to go, like, job shadow this person, but I'm just going to hang out with them more. But, like, for us, it's like, okay, we are older. Now what do we do? Like, who wow. do we go to? Right. Who do we, like, talk to? Who do we hang out with? And, like, there's not, there's no access to, like, there's not, like, open access to, like, Older people that we can easily just be like, hey, like, can we get coffee with you? Can we see what your life looks like beyond what it looks like in these four walls? Wow. So, so here, here's a little tease for you. Beginning of the year, there will be some stuff coming to meet those needs for you. Okay. All right. Really we call it discipleship. I think that's what the Bible calls it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this stuff is not made up, guys. It's like, whoa, Pastor Matt. Dude, you are amazing. Dude, you see the power and the, the anointing come from your father just now? Man. <laughs> but you're exactly right. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, that's true, and you're right. It's really not a program as much as it is just a culture of discipleship. Right, right. Right. And I think Elevate's great, but like, especially for like that older group, it's just kind of like there's a gap there that's like, but wait, we're still like so much older. So like, and you can see it when the young ones start coming in. Right. The awkwardness of who and what group and age group you fit into. Yeah. 
just takes care of it. And guess what? In a year or two, you'll be 2021. 20, so come on back. Yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like it's just like a lot of people that age are just like really lost. Yeah. Like so once they reach it, one, some people are, can't like just get past it. They're just like, what do I do? They just kind of go into like a loophole. Like they just kind of like get stuck. I think where, where the church is going, as you said in January, this is going to be this going to really, really um, allow people to connect, um, to be discipled, to be mentored, because uh, it is yeah, it is so important that I hook up with someone who ha- who is where I'm trying to get to, not not just in the natural, but spiritually speaking as well. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. So we have a choice to make <clears throat> when there is a need. We can see the need and wait for someone else to meet the need. Or we can meet the need that God puts before us. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that I don't know if I feel, if I feel called to do that in that area. Or here's a, another big one. I don't know if I can do that. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you tried and then failed to make that statement, to validate that statement? Not really. So how you know you can't do it? Right. I, t- I, t- I tell kids all the time, go do it and then prove me wrong. You can do that, but go do it and prove me wrong. Okay? Don't sit back waiting for your gifts to be used. See a need and meet the need because that's what, that's what a servant heart is. We see a need and we meet it. Pray that God uses you in your calling, gifting, but also, in the meantime, do what needs to be what? Just do it. Just do it. You know, it's, it's not by chance that Nike had that, for, that slogan, just do it. That's powerful. Okay? So not only is a servant's heart sees a need and then meets the need, but a servant's heart does not believe that it's above certain tasks. Above certain tasks. Uh, many of you <clears throat> have never had the opportunity. If you have, you're going you're gonna to agree with what I'm saying. To have met... Um, Pastor John Osteen. I, knew, I met him personally. I knew him personally. I've had opportunity many times when I would take, uh, I, when I was a youth pastor at my dad's church, to take load our kids up, go to in the vans, and go to uh, their youth conference that they had. And he would have a banquet uh, that Friday night for all of the youth pastors, where he would love on them. And and um, and I don't know how this connection started. We were just talking, and then. He got my name, address, phone number. And I thought that was just for me, coming from a very small church, looking at the bigness of this man's church, for him to be that personal at that level completely blew my mind. And then here's the crazy part. And I said, okay, maybe that's a one-time thing, whatever. We came back the next year, and he had the banquet again. And then he's talking to everybody. He looked up, my friend, come here, come here. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And it was just so phenomenal when you look at how... Nothing was ever beneath him. He was always, he realized in his heart, God, I'm called to serve these people. And it was just amazing for me that he would actually take the time to spend time with these leaders. I mean, you think about how big his ministry was. You know, it was an international ministry, but he took the time. And everybody who knew him, that was his heart. That was exactly was his heart. So a servant heart does not believe that, up, that there, it's above a certain task. Jesus humbled himself and did did something beneath him. Some of the areas of serving are hard, dirty, boring, and hidden. Sometimes serving is fun, fulfilling, but sometimes it is just plain old hard work. 
Sometimes it's doing a job that no one wants to do. That may be changing that dirty diaper in the nursery, standing in the hot sun of the parking lot, uh, parking cars or riding a golf cart in the rain. That's fun. (laughs) First Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As, a, as, as good servants, stewards of God's varied grace, we humble ourselves, put ourselves uh, before, put others before us when we serve. We give grace to those who may not deserve it. By humbling ourselves and serving others, we're putting <clears throat> them before ourselves. You don't serve people because they deserve it, but because you love Christ. Boy, that's a powerful motivation. We don't serve people because they deserve it. We serve them because we love Christ. Not long before Jesus washed the disciples' feet, the disciples were actually arguing among themselves about who was the greatest. Isn't that interesting? And he was getting ready to give them an incredible object lesson of what greatness in the kingdom looked like. They did not deserve the king of kings washing their feet. Jesus was trying to teach them that in his kingdom, the first shall be last and the greatest among you is the one who serves according to Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 30. Matthew 25, 35 to 40 says this, For I was hungry, and he says, when you do this in the least of me, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did... We see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and we gave you drink. And when did we see you as a stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? And this is profound. When did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer answer them and says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Wow. That's That's a connection we make. I don't serve you because you deserve it. I serve you because I love Christ. Because we're all ambassadors of Christ. And our example to the world of our love for for God is our love for each other. Number three, not only is a a servant's heart sees a need and meet it, a servant's heart does not think that a task is above, they're above a task, but a servant's heart does not seek praise and adoration from others. A servant's heart does not seek praise and adoration from, uh, from others. Areas we need to be careful not to fall into while, while we're serving. Serving to be seen by others and serving for a pat on the back or the praise of men. Because either one of them, if you do, we have already received our reward. I believe the Bible talks about there are going to be those who get saved and going to stand before God and make it into heaven. But some of their works are going to be blown on and, and will be burned by the fire because they've already had their reward because they did it for their own motivation. A servant doesn't need to post on social media every time he or she serves. And bing! Serve this Sunday. Got me some divine points. Feeling really good about myself. God, I'm amazing. Don't you think so? Let me somehow God friend you and like stop it. No. <laughs> and so we don't need to do that every time we do. 
We must understand that serving is not about us. But if we ever get the picture of that, can you imagine when two people are born again really get that picture of what a service, what a servant's heart is? And then I believe that that strengthens the relationship between a husband and wife because you understand that serving her, she don't deserve it. Serving him, he don't deserve it. But you serve each other because you love Christ. That's powerful. I did a, um, a wedding here recently, and um, it was Troy Guilford's daughter. And I brought out, and, and the reason why I say that, I don't take any credit for this it's scripture, but I heard Pastor Ben said he did a, his sister or, daughter or cousin. Whose wedding did he do? It was a cousin. And who married a military guy, I think it was. And he was staunch military, just... You know, and then he said he knew he was going to struggle, that the, the, the groom was going to struggle with this aspect of the wedding vow. And he talked, but he turned to him and says, let me explain who God has called you to be, a servant leader. And just mad, he went, you know, being, I think he's a Marine, I think he was. But anyway, and he, when he began to explain to him what a servant leader looked like and what it does, and he was like, why can't you see his face? He was like, <laughs> Because he's a, he's a military, he's a man's man. I mean, he says, but you're called to serve you know. And I can see the struggle there with him, okay? In Matthew chapter 6, 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You are serving for an audience of one. You're serving for an order. That's the one thing we pray all the time. And I know a lot of my basketball players, they, um, they, they, whenever I say it, it's like, they look at me. We pray before the game. We pray, you know, <laughs> during the game. And then we invite the guys in, uh, from the other team to pray with us after the game. And one of the things I pray, and I'm trying to get my guys to say, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to coach and to play this game. But we always play this game for an audience of one, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray that they understand that because this, you're not playing for yourself. And we try to get them to understand that. So number four, finally, a servant's heart understands that we are all part of what? The body of Christ. That we're all part of the body of Christ. We clearly understand we are part of the body of Christ. We don't just attend church. We are the church. All its members are important and necessary. There are, no, there are no unimportant jobs. Every single thing matters. I love what Pastor um, that was saying is that, man, when you think about the fact that the world struggles with their type of leadership, and I think you said it as well, it's the type of leader that you are. I think it's so important that the church collectively allow the world to see what leadership should look like and service should look like, what love should look like. Uh, matter of fact, that was the hallmark of the first century church. People were amazed because they had never seen this kind of love before. Even uh, I was reading um, one of the books I have in my Understanding the Times uh, curriculum, how during the time when the church was really, uh, more and more people was coming to the church, and that was a, a time in Rome where there was people was breaking out with this disease or whatever, and it wasn't good to be around these people. But the believers during that time took these people in and begin to nurse them back to health. 
and the Gentiles, the Romans, they didn't understand that. They said, these people are weird. They're strange. But it was the thing that drew more and more people to the church because of their incredible love for each other. They were determined. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to take care of you. Man, would to God that the church as a whole, the body of Christ as a whole, would understand that. And you've got places around the globe and every, in certain churches where that is an objective. We are going to love and take care of one another. Because it's so easy to, to, to look like the world. Because that's where we are Monday through Saturday. We're out there. We're in the midst of all that. We see it on the media how difficult it is and, and how uncivil we have become as a nation. You know? And, and we have to make sure. I tell my seniors all the time. I, motive, I, I challenge them. I said, you have to make sure that even the truth that you've been taught here all the years you've been at home a Christian, that you don't leave that when you graduate and become uncivil like the world where the world starts influencing your thinking. You start spewing some of the same things because it's hard to give something good to somebody you don't like, especially if the gospel is called the good news. And just recently, we had to deal with the news that somebody sent some pipe bombs to people they didn't like or disagree with them. That could never be the body of Christ. We, and, and those who are in that political arena, we are born-again believers, we have to make sure that when that ever comes up, the, the talking points or the conversation come up, we just, we just, that's not the way we need to do things. That's not the way we do things. Look what it says. In 1 Corinthians... Uh, it says, we don't attend church. Uh, we're part of the church. All members are important and necessary. There are no unimportant jobs. All matters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, 14 2 through 26, says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If an ear, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye. <laughs> What's that little creature with that eye on uh, Monster, Monsters, Inc.? My, Mike Wazowski. He's a... Wazowski? He's a whole eye. And when I read that, I just think about that little character like, okay, wow, okay. We see that vividly. I know that's probably the first thing popped in your mind, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. If the whole body were an eye, where would, where, where would be the sense of hearing? If the body were not an ear, were an ear, where would, this, would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged all the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable. And on these parts of the body, we think that we think less honorable. We are to bestow the greatest of honor. And our unrepresentable parts are to be treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the, the same care 
one of the other. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The church is it's not about us, you or I. It is about your need to bring, or your, need to, uh, your needs being met. It's about dying to self and putting the, the whole body's need above your own for the maturing of the body. Again, the church is not about us. It's not about, it's not about your needs being met. It's about dying to self and putting the whole body needs above your own for the maturing of the body. Man, I tell you what, whenever you see that and, the, and collectively the whole, that whole body gets that, you see the greatest level of God's anointing flowing in that body. You do. You do. Example. Think of your lungs. No one notices your lungs. You probably don't wake up every morning thanking God for your lungs. <laughs> they, they do a job in your body uh, and your body functions. Are they seen? Do you get compliments on your lungs? <laughs> but let those lungs stop working. And then what? They're, essential, they're an essential part of the body to function. The rest of your body needs the lungs to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I always say this. Um, I, my wife and I love driving through certain parts of town, looking at um, beautiful big homes, looking at some of the older homes, nostalgic or whatever. And then when you drive and you see those homes, like, for instance, I loved when I was growing up, I used to love uh, going, driving through Ellendale. I love driving through Ellendale and look at the homes and stuff, especially during Christmas time when they put the lights on. Yeah, you live there, been there. And, um, and you will hear people admire stuff like, oh, look at the landscaping. Beautiful. Oh, it's a beaut. You know, you look at the, 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 the design, the structure of the home. Well, that's a nice roof, you know. But the one thing that is so vital and important to every house is it's what? Foundation. And nobody's like, that's impressive. Did you see the foundation? That is absolutely, man, that's right on. Nobody ever talks about it. But it is the most important aspect of the structure of every home. And it goes unseen. And we don't do this to be seen. We realize that all of the rewards will be given when we get to heaven. There are so many ways to get involved and so many things that need to be done. Here are a few things in our church. Here are a few ways uh, to serve in our church. One, the hospitality team. Guest services. Greeters. Those who give out the handouts. The parking team. First impressions. Greeters, the first impression, greeters, golf course, parking. People really judge the, what's inside the church by what they see before they get in the church. They really do. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. Uh, nursery, children's church, ushers, Hebrews coffee shop. The media, you love Hebrews? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, the, that's the scripture that tells you men ought to always make the coffee. I'm glad you weren't drinking your coffees this night because you'd have lost that. Media team, um, lights, cameras, and sound. So, you know, one of the aspects of, of a church and a ministry this size, you really get an opportunity to serve in the different aspects of it. And I would even go in, as far as to say to encourage you, to, you know, to even step out of your comfort zone in areas and serve in areas you didn't think, well, I don't know, try it. Just, just jump out there and, and, and see. You know, and, and watch the blessing that comes with that. In Romans twelve 
4 through 8 says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in Christ, one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them as prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Colossians three twenty three and 24 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing, here it is, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I I tell you what, uh, as believers, we're out there in the secular world, um, and the world is watching us, especially when they know that we're born-again believers. And a lot of times our work ethic speaks volumes of our commitment to excellence in everything that we do because we're called to be excellent in everything that we do. First to be there, last to leave, you know. Um, never grouping up, talking about the boss, you know, unless the boss is there. You know, um, walking away from certain conversations about certain workers, you know, because when you do that without explanation and you do it consistently, guess what's going to happen? One of the people is going to say, why do you, why do you do that? Do what? And you know it's intentional. Why do you just walk away when we have this kind of, say, well, here's the thing. Uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm called to work according as if Christ was my, my, my boss. And I'm called to make sure that everything I do, it exemplifies Him. And by the way, the other thing too, if they were gathering around talking about you, I would walk away as well. And I would not play into that because I honor you as a worker. <laughs> Stick a fork in them, they're done. They're absolutely done. Did you see what I just did? Because I, I honor you. And I would not want to be a part of a conversation that dishonors you. And I hope and pray you would do the same for me. That's the great, that, that, that's a, wit, a living witness testimony right there. When you pull them in and says, I want to do the same thing for you. So we see service is very important here in the body of Christ. Okay? Because it says in Colossians, whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any questions, comments about the lessons before we close out? Questions, comments. Good. Amen. Well, today we got an opportunity to serve. First of all, in here. Secondly, out there. I tell people, I said, we get our instructions here, and then we go on to our mission field. I want to make a comment. Yes, sir. I didn't know if I was going to make this comment. I'll make it anyway. <laughs> Two or three years ago, before I went and was blessed with this lovely lady in my life, I was attending Livingwood Church. Uh huh. How many years ago? It's about three years ago. I mm-hmm. was. Yeah, when I came, when I came for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, it just so happened, I believe the first service I came to, you were on the pulpit. Really? Well, watch this. Okay, it was maybe a couple of weeks after that, and I think I met you in passing. Okay, this is three years ago. I met you in passing, and uh, it was maybe two weeks later. I was launching a boat. Stay with me on this one in Pontchartrain. 
to go fishing. I'm always there. I know you are. <laughs> know you are. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you something. I, I this is it, it inspired me. He talked about you know like John Osteen. Okay, well you're one of those people in my life. Okay, and there's others, but you're one of them. I'm, we're launching the boat, and I see this guy sitting in a. It's really, in a, and I said, you know what? There's not a whole lot of people at, at his height. That sitting in a boat, you can clearly see them. It's about 5.30 in the morning. It's just about daylight. And I tell the guys that I'm fishing with, I said, I think I know this guy. And I wave to you, and you wave back. And that's all I need. Because when I came back, and it, that was the kind of influence that you are in so many lives mm-hmm. as a humble man. I said, he fishes too. God, that was awesome, man. Yeah, he was going out fishing. You were sitting there all... Well, I had to do that. I mean, I mean, if I didn't catch anything, the guy come back and said, man, I got this rare fish, man. No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. I seen you in church. Yeah. And I think we met in passing. Right. And I said, you know what? If I see this guy in the world like we are, he's going to be the same. Right. And you were. You shared the, you shared the love. <laughs> Although we know what he had on his mind about limiting out on his <laughs> <laughs> it was at the end of the, the road. Amen. Amen. My, no, my kids tell me all the time when they ride me, they say, Dad, why do you talk to everybody? Do you even know those people? No, but Jesus knows them. Oh, yes. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Just like what you were saying, when I was 12 and I came here for the first time, you preached, and I was like, Dad, I have to come to this church. And yeah. I was, and he, my dad actually, you. Where's his basketball coach? Who's your dad? His name is Joey Augustine. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Pretty boy Joey Augustine. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I shouldn't have said that. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy. I was like, you know, I'm going to know him one day. Like, he's going to know my name. And, he would, and my dad was like, well, I mean, we could easily just go up to him. And I was like, no. One day. I'm wow. And I'm going to be friends with like his family too. And like now me and Miss Nadine talk all the time. Yeah. It's just so crazy to see like years down the road like that was actually true. Like that that was actually going to happen. Right. Yeah. Joey. Wow. Yeah. He Does he come here with you? Um, he did. And now he's kind of like slightly off of it. Tell when you see him. Tell him. Your teacher said get yourself back in church. I, I yes. will. Get yourself, get yourself. Yeah. I'm just blessed, I guess, to have uh, been in the path of having Coach Brian as my uh, teacher. Yeah. <laughs> when people told me that you were a teacher at their school, I was like, y'all get to have him as a teacher. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, this, I've been having Coach Brian since then. And you went to homecoming or prom with my son? Yes. Homecoming. Homecoming. And he, t- he took his coat off after she was cold. And I'm like, when you told me, I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> His mama taught him that. Right. Mama taught him that. I remember I was sitting in Coach Price's house. I have my Randy's Letterman jacket like on me like a blanket. And Coach Price sees me. He's like, okay. <laughs> he just walks away. Miss Fry had work. Yeah. The first time I came here, I was supporting one of the guys in A4. Mm-hmm. And I, I like how it's set up, you know, having the breaks and the prayer time. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, remember... Pastor Renee, I was all the way up by the soundboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and he walked straight up the aisle mm-hmm. and he introduced himself to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
bypass and went straight to you? I've never experienced someone just, you know, like when I when I adopted a cat, that cat looked at me and came straight to me, <laughs> and he did that. I'm like, wow, that was Love pretty powerful. I, yeah, that when he was That's here, I think you the, may not remember it, but that put the biggest impression on me, and I've never felt so yeah. welcome. Chuck can tell you this: the beauty of Pastor Renee is that he always said this church is not about one individual. He never wanted to be about one individual. And so many churches are built on the personality of yes. one person. Yeah. And I pray that, God, you just change that in the heart of a lot of leaders. Well, Chuck, there was something you wanted to say, Chuck? Okay. You know, that's what you feel here, Pastor Freddie. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we had a great example. You walk around this place. I mean, I, when I first started coming here, I was led to come here. And they yeah. said, you got to go there. First of all, you've got all the energy that living word loves. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is on fire over there. Amen. Man, Amen. 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 You feel it in this place. Amen. Yeah, because we're going to pray so the kids can come Amen. in. Go ahead. Definitely. And, like, one thing, like, when I went to, like, of course, I still go to Elevate, but, like, um, when we really had, like, our Connect team, um, it was so powerful because I remember sitting down at Elevate one Wednesday, and I was, like, really young. This was probably, like, when I was, like, 12 or 13. And Derek came up to me, and I had been gone for a while, but I came, like, every once in a while because my parents wouldn't always let me go and he was like hey like I'm so glad you're back like it's so good to see you but I didn't even know Derek knew who I was mm-hmm. like, I just mm-hmm. thought it was like oh well everybody's here like we're all one big group and like mm-hmm. he doesn't really know who I am mm-hmm. and he knew exactly my name and mm-hmm. all and like that's just so powerful to me I think like you're talking about how like next week we're gonna have like sitting down and like talking with the other pastors and like that's the biggest thing to me is like connect mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. Can, like a connect team within our church mm-hmm. is exactly what I'd want to do mm-hmm. because that is so powerful. Yeah. And I mean, just with the stories I like, we've all shared. Like, yes. it really shows, like, like Jesus when he goes out of his way to talk to like mm-hmm. the girl at the well, mm-hmm. or just like different people, mm-hmm. different characters in the Bible. It, like, that is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, I love that and that's the beauty of our Christianity. Yes, oh, yeah. it is. Amen. Father, we thank you. Oh. May we love the way you love us. May we truly continue in love as the Father and you are one and you have prayed that we might be one. Father, I thank you we get a chance to love on those around the altar in our service today and even more outwardly we get to love on people as they come to our pumpkin patch and come to our church this afternoon. May we not miss a moment, an opportunity to love on your people. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go love and worship. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, Chuckles.